With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Home. It's been a good week to be a Red with Liverpool going two from two in the Premier League whilst conceding no goals and have now set themselves up nicely for the visit of the European champions Chelsea at the weekend. So tonight we're going to look back at some of the key players from the Burnley game. We're going to look ahead to the Chelsea game. We're going to touch on some Monday night football nonsense. And after its successful debut last week, you'll be delighted to hear that we will be giving our winners and losers for the week again. So I think Gav and Phil in particular are looking forward to that bit. Now, um, joining me tonight, as you may have guessed, we have Gav, we have Phil and we have Conroy. Lads, how are we? Great to have you on, Conroy. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. I'm doing very good. And uh, yeah, Gav was on the show last night, so... Uh, two in a row and I'm buzzing. I, I'm doing quite well this week, but not as many shows as Gav, but I'll try and get there. <laughs> this is, is this your fourth show of the week now, Gav? Yeah, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Absolute machine, mate. Mm, yeah, I fucking hate it at this stage. And it's uh, and it's funny your uh, your Team Wolf esque beard. You can actually see it growing ev- with every night yeah, that you've been. Yeah, with. I shaved two days ago. I've aged about ten years since Sunday. Um, but no, it's just the way I fell this week. I'm not usually on that much. I'd usually be on Sunday. Wouldn't be on Monday. Tuesday, we're just I done something with Connor, but I wouldn't usually do it on a Tuesday. And I'm on this, so it's usually Sunday, Wednesday for me, and then looking after every everything else in the meantime. But just the way I fell this week, good crack though this week. Arsenal to come, can we? Looking forward to it, Phil. How are you getting on, mate? You're being kept busy in the work with the the Paralympics. You were saying, yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Started today, so um, yeah. And Irish got to a couple of finals. Um, back in tomorrow so yeah like do you know what it's great i was kind of away from most of the the olympics so the paralympics keep me busy um it's great when you come in in the morning though and there's live sport on because sometimes you're just looking back and stuff that happened the night before so if the paralympics wasn't on i'd be talking about arsenal beating west brom six nil but 
there'd be a lot of live sport on in the morning. Actually, there's Thursday's always good as well. The golf starts up on a Thursday as well. You have Champions League draw tomorrow, so it's uh, yeah, busy. Uh, those that, that means the day flies by. Like it's mm. two o'clock. I I leave the office at two o'clock, and it flies by once once there's something going on, you know. Living the dream there, though, mate. I'm selling ads for a living, living, and you're sat there watching sports and talking about sports. It's it's, uh, it's a hard life. <laughs> thinking the yeah. same, Jamie. Thinking the exact same. I don't even mind my job, but that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I know. And I'm just smoking, uh, drinking cans, which I don't know if that's better yeah. than only, only one night a week, Gav. One night. This is your one night. One on night the a week. Yeah, I only drink on shows one night a week, and. Um, <laughs> Jamie has written it into the contract that it's on a Wednesday, which one hundred percent fine by me. Gav on the cans. Gav on the cans is the greatest version of Gav. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to winners and losers just for that very specific reason. Mm. I'm on a nice, a nice bottle of red tonight, Gav. So I'm uh, definitely joining you. Um, right. So I want to start by just touching a little bit on on the Burnley game. I know it's been been touched on by other pods, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, and I'm going to come to you first, Phil. Um, you know, when you're going into that game, I suppose everything was set up for a bit of a disaster. 12.30 kickoff, Burnley, the Burnley boys in town, uh, you know, scars run deep maybe from last season and, and obviously what happened in that game. How were you feeling going into the game and what did you make of the performance? Uh, going into the game, before my battery died last week, I was predicting a 3-1 <laughs> win to, to Liverpool. Now, then it gets closer, you see the teams and the game starts and you think, oh, geez, I forgot Burnley just make this very uncomfortable every time they come to Anfield. Obviously, last season they won. The season before, they were the only team to get something from Anfield. You think of previous ones where Liverpool have had to dig deep. Remember the, the one where Emery Chan scored a goal? There was the 4-2 as well where Lallana started. It's always a tough game and we know why. It's, it's a physical game. Um, obviously it's something that the clock talked about after the game um, I have no problem with teams throwing tackles in if they're fair tackles but some of the stuff was over the top in terms of what Klopp said about wrestling and I mean I know some pundits have dismissed it saying like Klopp's moaning but if you actually look at some of the incidents there was Matt had got thrown off the ball Jota got thrown off the ball Jota got dunted in the back by Jack Cork off the ball that kind of thing so it's just one of those, I was texting you during the game saying that second goal, you need the second goal against Burnley because if it's 1-0, it just, it's uncomfortable. So it was great to get the second goal and the manner of the goal. It was, it's definitely, I saw somebody asking what's the best goal Liverpool have scored this season. For me, it's not even a debate. That second goal against Burnley was was top drawer. And yeah, I thought it was a, a decent performance. Again, it was good that Van Dijk got tested. And again, we saw that Liverpool were quite happy to, to leave two at the back. Just say to Trent Alexander-Arnold and Costa Simicas, you go forward, the two lads will take care of, of Wood and Barnes. And that that's promising ahead of this weekend. I, I have to be honest, right? Whilst I agree that some of the tackles overstepped the mark, I am kind of on the thinking that for Burnley to come to Liverpool, like Liverpool are better than Burnley and that's not being disrespectful to Burnley. You know, if they try to go toe to toe from a footballing sense, 9.9 times out of 10, they lose against Liverpool. If Liverpool play to the best of their ability, I'm okay with Burnley roughing Liverpool up a little bit. Um, I, I didn't have too much of an issue with it. I think when it verges on the dangerous, you always know what you're going to get from Burnley's front too. I, 
I'm okay with them doing it, Gav. I mean, from your side, was it? did you think it was anything out of the ordinary or is it what you come to th- expect, I suppose, from a Burnley side? Yeah, I get your point. And I guess Shawnee's point, he made it the same on Sunday. He likes the physical side of it. He's Burnley are trying to level the playing field a little bit. I think you've said that as well. You and Shawnee have been kind of vocal on this when we've spoken about it. But the thing is, Klopp didn't, didn't say that Burnley were, were too physical. Klopp made points to specific incidents. Yeah. You know, Jota gets picked up and flung on the ground, right? And then he gets barged in the back, like which is just, he's waiting on a pass in the box to get barged in the box. But even aside from them, there's a lunge on Harvey Elliott down the right-hand side in the second half as he's heading towards the cup. And your man's off his feet. He's off, that was a dangerous he's, one, yeah. He's, he's, he's horizontal yeah, off his feet. And there's another one by, um, uh, uh, Dan, what's the... the that wasn't Charlie, spotted in the game, though. That wasn't Harris. spotted in the game. No, that was just said that was a good tackle in the game. Eric, Eric, Eric Peters at the, the last minute on Harvey Elliott. Was it Eric Peters? Oh, actually, was it... Was it, was it I thought it was Peter's or it was there. Um, oh no, there was the Jack Cork one on the edge of the box, which I'll be honest, like I I lived for tackles like that, so I can't stand there now and say. No, I there was, was another. One, there was another one where he's running towards. It the was cop, the left back half. Taylor. I think it was Taylor. I know, it's Taylor, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, Taylor. Taylor is 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 over on the far side of the pitch as we look at it, if I remember right, and he's off yeah. his feet, and Elliot does well to avoid him. But there's another one where he's coming down the right wing, inside right, and he's running. And the, I think it might be in Jack Cork or the other side of the field, and he's literally. A horizontal, a foot off the ground with his feet up trying to hit this young, young lad. And it's not because it's Harvey Elliott and now he's only 18. It's the fact that, and that's where, listen, people can be physical. It's a physical game. We all call for that. We hate when we see the slightest touch and players going down and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. But some of the challenges there the other day for me were over the top. And Klopp was just turning around and going, listen, they're literally jumping head first into fellas in the box, Right at waist height with their head or they're literally picking guys up and lifting them and flinging them and it might sound a bit fucking childish or get over yourself Gav but that's what Klopp was pointing out he's pointing out facts and I think I hope Phil was using the word pundit very fucking loosely when he mentioned that he seemed to you know um, disregard this he didn't disregard it he didn't watch it there's no way they watched it there's no way a pundit worth anything watched that game and said Klopp made reference to A, B and C but I don't see the problem because what he made reference to was right in front of you. You know, it wasn't Klopp yeah. going, they were way too physical for the whole game. He literally said, we were literally, they were performing wrestling moves on us at points. That's what he said. So, But look, who cares? We beat them. And um, I hope we absolutely hop off them when we go to Torfmore as well. And I wouldn't mind seeing them going down because that, that fella's starting to annoy me. He's starting to bug me a, in a big way, Sean Dyche. I used to like him. And I, I thought Everton should have been banging down his door probably two years ago when they were looking for a manager. But right now, he's just a winger. You know, he's a whinger. He doesn't seem to talk about football anymore. He just whinges all the time. So, um, fuck him, to be perfectly honest with you. I, cu- I couldn't, I'm not arse talking about him anymore. Yes, Gav on the cans. I love mm. it. No, it uh, just annoys Phil- me. I'm sorry. I'll, 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 I'll lighten up down a minute. If that's no, I like it, Gav. It's good. It's good. <laughs> ben, mate, I'm going to get devil's advocate then. Do you think other managers could do what Sean Dyche could do with Burnley and keep them up, though? Oh, no, I don't think he's doing a bad job at Burnley. I, just I think, think he's doing an exceptional job. I don't yeah, think yeah, I think he is, and I'm surprised. Really. I'm surprised he's still there because there was massive problems there at the start of last season. If you remember, they were releasing players on him, and he wanted to keep Jeff Hendrick being one of them. I think at the time Hendrick ends up going to Newcastle, and I think he's doing a brilliant job because I think they they found a level where they're quite happy. 
12, 13, 14, 15 in the Premier League. If you get that every year, Burnley are absolutely delighted with the size of the ground they have, the size of the club they are, the reach, the, you know, whatever they can, whatever they have and whatever size they are. I think he's done an exceptional job. I am surprised he's there because I thought, I literally thought he was on the verge last summer over what the club are doing in a kind of cost-cutting exercise because of um, COVID at the time, if you remember. But um, I'm not I'm not knocking the job he's done. I just think he's, he's starting to whinge and whinge week in, week out. He wins this week. He wins. He wins when we play him at Hope more as well. It's yeah. funny. Phil makes Phil makes a great point, and it was about overcoming challenges. And you know, I, I like the physical side of the game, so I'm not going to moan too much of it. While some of it overstepped the mark, I absolutely agree. But Liverpool stood up to the challenge. Uh, Liverpool st- stood up to the challenge not only at centre back in terms of the physicality that was thrown their way, but also in terms of the direct balls. Um, I, I thought that Liverpool. Um, the one thing that really pleased me actually was the fact that we were so focused on trying to keep a clean sheet and Conroy, that was one thing that struck me right at the end. It was Van Dijk throwing in last ditch tackles. It seemed to really matter to the, to the back, uh, back four and the keeper that they kept that clean sheet. And it's a real boost that we were able to. No, absolutely. I think uh, Thiago tried his best for us to concede in the last five minutes. He kind of oh, gave two passes. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't. Let's not fall out now. No, I, I do like <laughs> Thiago. It's ironic, though, because he actually, just before that, he, he kind of body swears someone and beats someone. You're like, oh, outstanding. And then he obviously still a little bit he's getting into the game. He gave two passes, uh, kind of loose passes. And then Alisson again. Alisson is ridiculous. I mean, that's Norwich away last week and Burnley. If I'm correct. That was two two late saves in the game against Burnley. What a goalkeeper! We're just we're very fortunate to have him as well. But but on the 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 you talk about the defence, Jamie. I, I felt like um, yes. I think it re- reminded me when Van Dyke said they just I just love clean sheets. It's, that's yeah. what it felt like towards the end because I would say not we weren't lax or anything, but you do think there's a little bit of complacency in the last five min- minutes by certain players in the team. I'm only joking with Thiago, but I did feel that a little ah, it's bit. It's okay, mate. It's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, but but uh, no, I mean, I've said Thiago being the team of the year. So don't worry, I'm backing him. It was just it was just a, it was a, it was an off moment. He's fine, but I felt like I've got to be honest. Van Dyke coming back, they just it's that aura, isn't it? You just it's it's hard to put into words. He just he brings something different, and Matip as well. Joe Matip is. I said to Gav, it was on um, it was the fat back four last week. I, I think Matip might be my favourite footballer. He's just such a a weird player in the best way. I don't know if you've seen that out of context, Matip. He's just yeah, yeah. I just love him. I just I think he's magnificent, and I feel like if he could stay fit, he genuinely would be up there. Is I think he's outstanding. So. They've, they've been superb and it's a, hopefully they can continue that on and Matip can actually stay fit. If he gets past five games, I don't know what we'll do. You know, we'll just bought Kanati and he's not going to get a kick. So Yeah, yeah, it's funny. We've gone from uh, from basically getting the tea lady to play centre-back to, to arguably having four or five top quality centre-backs. It's yeah. funny how things move quickly in football. And, and I think you're right to call out Alisson because you know I think he made an unbelievable save in the Norwich game. And the one thing that struck me against Burnley was he made big saves at big moments, but also his distribution with his feet. I thought he looked fantastic. And that, you know, I think it was Pep famously said, if you've got a keeper that's comfortable with the ball at his feet it's having an extra outfield player and Phil you know if we're gonna if we're gonna challenge Manchester City at the top of the table you know having your big players like your Allisons like your centre-backs it's our spine you know if we can keep that spine together it's 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 gonna uh, do us the world of good absolutely yeah and you know when you watch Allison, he doesn't make what I would call um you know eye-catching saves because he's just his positioning is so good 
that he just he, he's there in the right place. Think back to Anfield last season, Pogba's chance. And it looked like an easy chance, but Allison was there. Whereas other keepers, it just goes through. You look at it, the look at the goal. Even United scored against Southampton at the weekend. That doesn't go through Allison the way it went through Alex McCarthy. He just he's just such a presence. Even thinking back to the Norwich game when Pookie goes through. Imagine he's staring down the barrel at you, and you just shit yourself, and you knock it wide, or you you don't do what you want to do because he's just so big, and he just spreads himself. And he just causes strikers to panic a little bit. Whereas we've had goalkeepers in the past where you kick the ball at them and it just goes through them. So it, it's great to have him. And obviously, what a line. Tough, yeah, what a he, line. I love it. Yeah, he, do, do you know what I'm thinking though, Phil? The exact instance, and I always think this is Mignolet with Demba Bar when Demba yeah, Bar ran through. That. Like he dived yeah. out the way of the ball. If that's Allison, it doesn't go in. Absolutely. And even do you remember last season when Liverpool played Spurs at Anfield and? Bird volume went through. I still always think in my head, Allison's going to save these. Now he ended up hitting the post, but that incident, yeah, the, the Demba Ba one, I always, I always refer back to that one. I think Mignolet was terrible for it, but if it was Allison, I think yeah, he'd actually save that because hmm. said he's just, he's just that good. And um, obviously, when he's not there, he's a big miss. Luckily, now I think we've got to the stage where Queen and Kelleher steps in now instead of Adrian and Liverpool fans are a bit more comfortable with that than they were when Adrian was starting games and that, that's a credit to Kelleher for his performance at Ajax game but the spine as you said you know you've, you've Van Dijk and Matip I think Matip has to keep starting as long as he's fit you have to keep starting him because there is going to be a stage in the season we know where he won't be available especially when it starts going midweek games you won't be able to play him all the time so now is the chance to play him um you've, you've six seven days eight days sometimes between games so why not keep playing him um just just quickly about Allison and Van Dijk and clean sheets Sean he was at the game and he was on the corner of the cop corner of the cop and Amphi- and um mainstand and he said like the view he was getting of like Van Dijk hitting these raking passes and stuff like that was amazing but he said you know, they were trying to hold on to a lead. It was a 2 0 lead. It was last minute. I think it was, it was injury time, I think, when Allison makes that late save. Mm. But there's a block as well from, from Van Dyke on Rodriguez, I think. And he That's said, right. like, the noise of it when it hits off Van Dyke and the noise of the save, he said, like, Van, or Allison has, like, wrists of lead, hands of lead. But he mm. said, the roar that he let after they make the save into the cup, the roaring at people in the cup. You know, as if to say, yes, like, but it's a clean sheet. Like, they're literally celebrating it like it's a goal. And he said, Shawnee's biggest takeaway from the whole game was oh, great goals, good win. But he said the mentality of them was just top, top notch. Last minute, four minutes injury time, three and a half minutes of that gone. Someone makes a block, someone makes a save. It's not going to make a difference anyway if it goes in. You're not going to lose time to get a second one. But they're literally getting up and fist pumping and punching the air and shouting at, shouting at people on the front, front row of the coppers if they say like you know clean sheet fucking brilliant like the other like Mane and, and, and Jot up the other end scoring goals It's it, and Shawnee was just blown away by the mentality of it the, the, but the hunger's back Gavin I yeah, think they've got exactly a point to yeah. prove they, they've got a point to prove and, and there was yeah. always I think it was a Klopp, uh, Klopp quote there's, there's a lot obviously knocking around but he, he, he said it a couple of years ago this team are coming to take our points and we're not going to let them and it kind of feels like Liverpool have got that 
uh, that little bit of fire back, um, uh, you know, that, that's obviously driven them on to, to many successful trophies and things. So it's, it's fantastic to see. And, and Gav, I want to stay with you because uh, I want to talk about a player and, and the first player we're going to focus on off the back of that game, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he looks like a player that is super fit. Mm-hmm. He looks like a player, dare I say it, that looks like he's filled out a little bit. He, he looks like he's a, a, a little bit more athletic. Um, you know, he looks like he's really enjoyed having a little bit of a break, although he would have been disappointed, obviously, to, to not be able to, to compete at the Euros. It looks like he's done him the world of good. He was up against a good player in, in McNeil. I'll be honest, I've, I'm yeah, always impressed right. whenever whenever I watch him, and I'm surprised that some of the top teams haven't come in for him, even Liverpool, to be honest, because I actually really like him. Bit of a, an old-school throwback to a winger, real direct, just an absolute pest. And he was getting the better at Trent a couple of times in the first half. Um, but then you see the other side of Trent. And as you can see on the screen, um, shout out to Sam Maguire, who's been helping us with the graphics. Um, you know, you look at the distribution of Trent. You know, we we reference this a lot. It's like he's playing a quarterback role um, at fullback. But you're now starting to see him, you know, really start to open teams up. He's influencing the game higher up. It's, it. you know, I think if you actually remember, right, Gav, we played Burnley last season and, and you've probably seen the worst of Trent in that they funneled the ball wide and he was just smashing balls into the box and, and, and they were getting blocked or they weren't getting there. Mm. He looks a lot more measured, a lot more confident and he's finding some fantastic positions at the moment. He is. Liverpool have drawn Norwich away in the League Cup, just to let people know. Oh, um, okay. <clears throat> just if you're wondering why that's up on the screen, but um, Norwich away is the draw for um, Arsenal against got AFC Wimbledon, and I think um, there was United against West Ham was drawn, which was a good one. Um, but uh, I done a thing on Monday night about Trent, and I titled the generational talent, and I don't. I, I'm nearly running out of words to say about him. You know, when I played football. I played sometimes at right back. I played right wing a lot. I played centre midfield a lot. I, you know, but uh, and you 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 have it in your head what you want to do. You know, um, I would have considered myself as as a as a as a player. Oh, we are. No, no, what you I would, no, what I'm saying is, I would like when you're trying to think of someone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take out my medals. Don't worry about it. But I would have considered myself quite a, um, you know, a creative player. You know, it wasn't I, I? I like to create a football, and when you think, like I'm 39 now, I don't fucking play football anymore. Like I just watch it and uh, think I can still play. But when you watch this fella, it's it's a pleasure to watch him. It's it's and and you know what? He, he doesn't surprise me every week, but he just he nearly makes your jaw drop every week. By yeah, some of the does. stuff he does, and I'm, it's very hard to explain. And I tried to explain on Monday night, and and I was like, you mentioned Sam there, and he, he's given us the graphics and stuff like that. And I asked him for a comparison of of Trent's touch map against Burnley this time, against yeah. last season. And the big thing for me was Burnley deliberately pushed them down into fifteen to twenty yards from the goal line in that area outside the box because you were looking for him to cross, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's a really good crosser of the ball. But when you have a packed defence, it's hard to pick anybody out when you could see the amount of failed passes, as they're called. Well, they're not. He's putting them into good areas. But when you have Ben Mee and Tarkowski there, they're winning the vast majority of them. When you watch him there the other day, he is. He's playing against Boyd McNeil, who's their best player. By a fucking country mile, he's their best player. And 
people will say he got the better of him a couple of times. He did, but that happens in football. Wingers will get the better of you sometimes, you know, where they just nick the ball ahead of you or catch it off balance a little bit. But as the game went on, he just turns into a dominant force in a game, you know. And while teams like other teams will be looking for the striker, the winger to do something, where's our number 10, where's our drive from midfield, we, we might have that. But then we have a right back that'll just go, I'm taking control of this. And when I take control of it, they're in shit loads of trouble. And I, I go back to what I said last week. Instead of giving the ball to your forward and looking for him to do something, you're giving it to your right back. You're right full. And all them forwards ahead of him with the talent he has. It's such a dangerous proposition. It really is. And and you know what? Trent has got bashed at times for different things. And Southgate's done him no favours. I can't fucking stand Gareth Southgate. But he comes through it and he learns. And if you look at that game against Burnley, he didn't allow himself to be pushed into the corner with the ball. He'd come back and he'd play it backwards. He'd, you know, he'd, and, he, and he was getting into positions inside right rather than outside right where he could be pushed out there. The second goal, like Phil said, is a brilliant, brilliant goal. And just watching him, Jamie, it's just a pleasure to watch. And people would call from to go in, into midfield and there's no need because what he does from right back is just phenomenal. Absolutely and utterly phenomenal. And his range of passing, his weight of passing, he hits a pass to, to, um, he hits a pass to Mane in the first half cop end. Where the ball comes out to me, just rolls under the studs and clips this thing. And we're in 20 oh, yards. Yeah. It goes up in the air and drops. How he does it Manny from the start to start. And Mane shins it over. It would yeah. have been a brilliant goal. He's he's just a brilliant, brilliant player. He's filling out. He's learning all the time. Learning all the time. And and you know what? Um, oh, I thought he was... If you go back to Old Trafford last season, he was... <laughs> it was it was a joke what he'd done. As Shawnee would say, it was a joke at our Old Trafford last season when we beat him. Um, but... He just gets better and better and better. And I said it on Monday, and I'll say it now. And, I'll, and if I'm wrong, I'd be shocked. He will go down as, for me, the greatest fullback that's ever played for Liverpool. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. And Conroy, I want to come to you because Gav raised a couple of points, particularly around the fact that he was able to pick up more of an inside channel position. And, and I, uh, we did a little bit of work kind of analysing, I suppose, where, where he was able to get on the ball. And um, we've got a couple of graphics that basically show... Um, Maybe it was a deliberate ploy from Liverpool to try and counter what Burnley did last time, which was to funnel him, as Gav said, get him to the touchline and get him hitting hopeful balls into the box. Liverpool seemed to use Harvey Elliott and Mo Salah to try and stay as wide as possible. Um, and the fact that they were able to stay as wide as possible, what that meant was it occupied fullbacks and it allowed Trent to pick up more of an inside position. Um and that was that opened up a whole new game for him. You know, he's not he's not ultimately looking to go on the outside and whip balls in. He's able to come more inside. And as you can see on the graphic uh, that's up on the screen, Harvey Elliott, who is meant to be playing right hand side of a midfield three, maybe quite narrow, is actually occupying like the coaches used to say, get chalk on your boots. He's staying wide. And what that allows Trent to do is pick up the balls in areas where he can influence. And Gav, if you go back actually to, to the pass map, you can see that we've circled an area where Trent was able to deliver a lot of his balls. And it was, if you want to call it that Kevin De Bruyne area, um, where he's able to to whip crosses in without basically fullbacks doubling up on him. Um, do you think, Conroy, from your side, this is something that we could potentially see more of in that we're trying to not move him into midfield, still have him as the fullback, but try and have him occupy some of those positions that the likes of a De Bruyne would pick up? 
Yeah, I do, but at the same time, I feel like by us doing that at the weekend and ironically putting Harvey Elliott, who everyone's obsessed with him playing in the middle, and I agree he's very good there, but his best moment is literally he's, he's a gif that was seen on the internet for about three weeks with him coming from the right, eh, cutting in and having the shot that hit the bar. So obviously he can operate there quite well, and obviously we know how good Salah is. But I think that's great management and tactics because now teams can second guess. If teams try to do that with Trent, there's an option where we can put Elliot and Salah out the wide area and allow him to come in. See that pass, see the graphic you had up on that screen there. That's the pass Gav's actually talking about because Manny makes a run and he just, just lands it. I know what you mean, Gav, it just kind of drops out the area. It looks like he's headed yeah, too hard. Yeah, it comes down in, in, in yeah. an instant. And I think he's actually, he's got he's got a lot better at that pass because I've seen him try that. I don't know if you remember Mo Salah, I think it's the year we won the league or possibly when the Champions League. It's against Bournemouth, I think he does that ball, Salah heads, it goes over the keeper. It's a bit wider, but he whips yeah. it like that. He try, he's tried it for every game or nearly every game he tries it and it doesn't come off. But I feel like he's, he's kind of perfecting it now. And, and to me, it just opens a different avenue. On the midfield, Jamie thing, I've got to be honest, I'm quite ruthless with this. Don't want him midfield. It's a completely Same. different game. I'm fed up with people telling me, oh, you can just nip in there. If that was the case, right, we'd all be Philip Lamb. That's not how football works, right? And it's just, for me, that just would be like wasting an opportunity. He's at right back. He's our playmaker. He can see the full pitch. He's out wide. He's not got someone up his, just up his back constantly in a midfield battle. You can me. say arse, mate. It's yeah, all right. Want, yeah, no, but I was, I was just, I was, I'm just, I'm getting used to that. Some channels you can't. But, um, but for me, I just think it's like nonsense is the wrong word. I understand, but I do not get the obsession because I'm actually sick of hearing it now. He's a right back. Just focus on being the best right back in the world or ever. And with his numbers and he's, as you say, being a playmaker from that side, why why would you want to change it? I, I don't understand it. And I feel like this new tactic allows us to be quite fluid at that area and allows him to come in the centre and, as you say, have the option for the Bruyne role, but also have the threat of going out wide as well. And let's be honest, Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't like a typical fullback where he's, you know, he's, he's got gets the ball and smashes it past a, a, the, the opposing left mid or left uh, back to whip it in. That's not really his game. He's measured. He'll go down the side and whip it maybe when he gets half a yard. He's very, like, calculated is the wrong word. I'd say Rob was more calculated, but I feel like Trent's got that we know we compare him to David Beckham, but in the sense of he's always looking for different angles. And I feel like with that tactic, it opens up a, a great game. And as Gav said, teams last season just had the low block and that was us sussed. And it, it kind of, through, through like, their injuries, different reasons, it kind of, I think we got in our own heads a bit. With that new move and the goal uh, we actually scored with Trent coming inside, I feel like it opens a, a different avenue, which is great because it means other teams don't know what we're going to do. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. I, I've told this before on, on a podcast, so apologies if people have heard this and it'll be the last time I mention it because um, I I played centre midfield my whole life um, and then I had a new manager that came in um, at one of my last clubs and he'd watched a couple of games and he'd come to me the first training session and he says, you're going to play right back for me. And I was like, you what? Right, what? What's going on here? And he said, just give me, give me one game. And he put me right back. And what he said to me was, I was awful in centre midfield when pressed because as a centre midfielder, you receive the ball, you've got somebody up your back, you've got a turn out. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's congested. He moved me to right back and it was like a completely different game. I could pick passes. I had time on the ball. And the reason was, and you said it perfectly, Conroy, everything is in front of you. Yeah. You can see the whole view of the game. 
Why would you waste the vision of Trent Alexander-Arnold in a congested midfield area when nine times out of ten he's getting swarmed by the opposition? He's having to drop deep and try and turn before he can even hit a ping. The reason that he is so successful is because he has the whole game and the time to deliver the pass. So the idea that I you would move him into centre midfield, I'm the same as you. I'm ruthless with this. I don't want to entertain it. You lose what Trent is if you if you do that. Um, Phil, I want to come to you on a, on another player now. And I was a little bit surprised to see him start, um, more so because of my fantasy football. I actually took him out of my team because I didn't think he was going to start. And that is Diogo Giotta. Uh, were you surprised that he got the start? Um, and how? what did you make of his performance? I actually wasn't surprised. Uh, just before we wrap up on Trent, um Gav mentioned Garrett Southgate. The problem with Garrett Southgate is he doesn't know what to do with Trent. He doesn't yeah. know. So I don't think Trent is going to have this great international career, but he's going to go down, obviously, as a Liverpool legend. But that is just because they don't know how to manage him properly. They're looking at things that he can't do rather than things he can do. But as I said, if he, you know, if actually the England getting left out of the England squad obviously pissed him off and it's fired him up and it's good for Liverpool this season. In terms of Jota, obviously completely different to Firmino. I actually think Firmino might get the nod against Chelsea this weekend just purely because he'll stand on Jorginho and that's that's a tactic that Chelsea have struggled with before where you, you pressurise Jorginho. With Jota, obviously, you look at his touches there, you know, it's he obviously plays completely different to to the way Firmino plays, but he's so ruthless and he's so good in the air as well. It's something obviously we wouldn't have seen that much at Wolves because he tended to be out wide. But I remember actually watching him play for Portugal in the World Cup qualifier against Serbia, and he scored two goals with his head, identical goals where he just pulled off the defender at the back post and he just was able to get in. And when the ball lands on his head, he knows where the goal is. I thought his header. The other day was absolutely clinical. It was brilliant. And as well, if you look, just Tarkovsky and Ben Mee, you know, they had it all sussed out. And he just, that little bit of movement, and you could see how annoyed they were that he just got away from them. And he's he's a lethal finisher, and he's just a great addition to have. He's something different. So whether, like, it is what, it's a completely different setup, obviously, when he plays. Um, but there is obviously something as well. There's an option then you will see during games that himself and Mane will interchange. And you know, when he goes out on the left, he's obviously got that ball carrying ability where he can go by defenders as well. We would have seen that in the, the Norwich game. So there is going to be spells in the game where you think he's quiet, but then he comes alive in the penalty area. So I think. When we first saw him play for Wolves, we expected he was just going to be that kind of player that would play in the Mane role. But now we're seeing him being used differently uh, for Liverpool. But he could also still play that Mane role as well. So he's a, he's a great addition. You could throw him out on the right as well. So he's been an excellent signing. He's exactly what Liverpool needed. And I think he's probably a player that Liverpool fans want another player like that before the transfer window closes, just to make sure all options are covered. I'm, I'm glad you, you touched on a couple of things there because I, I read it exactly the same in that I kind of feel maybe I didn't know enough about Jotter. I thought I was we were getting a certain type of player, but he's kind of surprised me in that he's a blend of strikers. So like you touched on it there, Phil, I think his movement has surprised me. Um, you know, he's got the ability to run at people. He's an absolutely deadly finisher. He's got a little bit of the... 
don't want to say Aguero's or the Michael Owens about him in that he can kind of drift out of a game, but then because of his tenacity and his ability to pick up smart places, like if you look, Gav, at the at the shot map, he's getting shots in the right areas. You know, he's he's central to goal, six yard box, eighteen yard box. He's he's picking up good positions, and that's where you ultimately want your striker to be. And if you look at the goal that he scored, and like Phil says. It was his movement. It was his movement and his ability to get in the half space between the two centre-backs. And he did the run on the blind side. They didn't even know he was there. That's the most impressive thing about it. And I, I think there was three, four examples of, I think he did it against Arsenal um, last season when he put peeled off the centre-back and headed it in at the back post. Um, there's been a couple more examples where he's done very similar. If you look at him, Gav, in terms of these positions that he, that he picks up, is it going to be difficult to bring Bobby back in? Uh, because ultimately you just want strikers to score goals. And that was probably the one thing that was labelled at Bobby Firmino last season and, and maybe the last couple of seasons is he doesn't take enough chances. Yeah, I think I think with regards to Firmino, I think um, I think he's being managed. And I think that's right because he just hasn't stopped playing football for about six years. So Firmino being brought in and, and as sub for the first four, five, six games is fine. And, and it's a squad game, so we don't really care for for being Firmino players or, or Jota players because that's what you want. You want those options where you go, yeah, he'll play and he's on the bench or he'll play and he's on the bench. And you're confident both. You know, I think there's, there is an argument around Firmino and, you know, getting in, in getting around uh, Jorginho and disrupting them. And we have the players then to hurt him if we can. And we get on to Chelsea in a bit later. But Jota himself... We talk about we talk about Firmino being a facilitator to Salah and Mane. I, I think Jota's a bit like that as well, but he he seems to get into dangerous dangerous positions at the same time. Like if you look back at that Trent caption we're shown, where Jota's literally standing in a number ten position while Mane's gone centrally, and Salah's in central with him because Harvey Elliott is out in the right. So there's loads of rotation in the team on the field as it happens. You know the sort of way. And whereas you think a Jota, if he was an out and out goal scorer, would be going. Manley doesn't need to be there because I'll be there you know you have that instinct and I think while he facilitates and while he drifts and he drifts our games but you see him from the shot map he he takes a lot of chances and he gets a lot of chances on goal and he gets a lot of chances on target and he walks goalkeepers and I think he's been brilliant for us and I think he's been a, a really good you know he's been really complimentary to, to what we have already you know, where whereas you'd look and say, get someone with real raw pace or get someone that's six foot five and he's just one of these. And when I watched him at Wolves, I thought he was a, a left winger in a four three three. That's what I thought he was. And he he looked quite good and Wolves fans thought he was very hit and miss and stuff like that. But I think he's learned a lot of Liverpool and it's a tough decision to make on Sunday as or Saturday as to who you play, but I'm I'm comfortable with either for, for various you know, for different reasons, I suppose. I think Jota's more of a direct goal threat, but I think Firmino could absolutely disrupt them and and if he gets turned, he can hurt them with, with Mane and Salah. So. But overall, Jota, brilliant. And, and Phil said earlier, you sign someone, if you could sign someone like that in the next seven days, six days, or whatever it is, and you got someone in at that sort of price, that's not exactly the same type of player, but someone that can really help with quality and be a little bit different to what we have already. It's It'd be a no-brainer for me. But Jota overall, uh, excellent. Absolutely excellent. And you can't have any complaints with his goal return, his walk rate. He's, he's been he's been top-notch for Liverpool since he signed. 
I'm glad you said work rate because that was one thing as well. I think he got the the most tackles uh, in the team uh, on the day against Burnley. So it's and I think Pe- Peplinders has alluded to the fact that he's a pressing machine. So I think that's when you you look at certain players and you think, you know what, he's tailor made for Liverpool, um, and, and and it certainly looks that way because he's he's talked to us like a duck to water. Conroy, I want to I want to come to you on the on the last player that I want to focus on, um, and that's Jordan Henderson. There's been rumours today breaking online that it looks like he's he's signed that new contract. Um, first of all, what a boost that is for the club to be able to tie your, to your captain down to, for the long term and, and put all that nonsense to bed. No, absolutely. Um, as I said, I wasn't. Um, I do think it was a bit overreactionary. Um, all the online the overreaction. Online. I can't, yeah, I can't believe it. it. Never. I I'd, I'd, I'd spoke <laughs> to my friends and I spoke. I think I spoke to uh, Gav as well talking about this. I was um, very much like switched it on, saw it, turned it off. It'll be fine. It's just it's a quiet news day. And that looks like it's exactly the case. So imagine that. But I'm obviously great to have Henderson, if that's the case, signed up. The leadership skills are um, outstanding. I do think he actually gets slept on a bit as how good a player he is. He's obviously not at the level of, of Gerrard or you know top, top midfielders. But I do think he's, his actual ability and his passing ability, I've always said this. I think I've said this a few times. It might have not been on the day trippers, but it does annoy me because I think, I don't, I don't care what opposition, opposition fans think, but I do think they're definitely selective in their memories of Henderson. So I'll, I'll take two instances right here. Manchester City, when we won the league, you remember when Fabinho scores the goal early against Man City, then Salah to Robertson's cross. In the second half, it's early second half, who, who is it who beats Kyle Walker down the right-hand side, right down the flank, crosses it in for Manny's goal? Jordan Henderson. But that, that doesn't suit the narrative. And then other, other instances, Chelsea, when we win the Champions League that year, when Salah scores that absolute unbelievable, the screamer, to make to make it 1-0 in that game, in a tight game, it's Jordan Henderson breaks in the edge of the box, chips the ball, back post for Manny again to score a header. I just think he does get slept on for big moments he has. I don't think it all suits the narrative. But for me, outstanding, unbelievable leader. I'm going to be, not controversial, but um, I don't think Virgil van Dijk is as good a captain. as I think Jordan Henderson's different because to me, he commands and leads a whole team. Virgil van Dijk commands his defence. We've seen it in instances um, if you with Virgil where I think, yeah, great at defence. But for me, if you look at I think is it the, the win the win rate for Henderson, the percentage is ridiculous as well when he's in the team. Just outstanding to get that sorted and then he can just, you know, hopefully play the rest of his career here, along with the other new contracts and Andy Robbo yesterday signing, Trent signing, and the rest of the squad. So outstanding piece of business but I've got to be honest guys it was always going to happen I, I couldn't see anything different happening I think it was just going to get sorted so yep fantastic Phil one of the things I'm glad Conroy mentioned about is, is passing and sorry to be a pain Gav if you could just pull that that pass map back up because one of the things that that stood to me and I, I noticed it and I'm glad that the the data backs this up is he seems to be moving the ball a lot quicker um, and the, the lazy narrative, like Conroy says, is that Jordan Henderson passes the ball sideways and backwards. And I can talk with confidence that sometimes a game needs you to pass it backwards and sideways if you need to take the sting out of a game and manage a 10-minute block and just uh, build, stop the, t- uh, the opposition building up ahead of steam. But one thing that I noticed against Burnley was the tempo at which he moved the ball. So not just the long raking passes when you're playing against a low block, you need to switch the play to try and dislodge them. But the speed at which he moved the ball, and I think 30% of his 70 passes 
were first time. And his average, just to give you a bit of a, a benchmark for the last two seasons, was in and around 24, 25%. So you can see that it was a clear tactic to move the ball quickly into the likes of a Harvey Elliott or get it into, into the front three. It just seems to me like he doesn't get half the credit it just seems like people like to label him as a mouth on the pitch and kind of ignore his ability not only on the ball but also off the ball. Yeah, like he, we, we obviously learned last season when there was no crowd that he talks on the pitch and that's what you want from your captain. But I think going back, back to your point, a lot of people maybe remember the first version of Jordan Henderson at Liverpool, that, that Jordan Henderson that was on his way out that was going to be... Uh, shown the exit door by by Brendan Rodgers and then he comes you know he decide he he's talked about this he said you know put the head down and when I get my chance I'm going to show that I deserve it and then Klopp comes in makes him his captain raise a few eyebrows and it's turned out to be one of Klopp's best decisions um obviously some of the signings have been excellent as well but Klopp actually I think sees a lot of himself in Jordan Henderson where, you know, he's the heartbeat of the team, but his attitude, like, you know, the pressure when you sign for Liverpool, obviously then Gerrard leaves the club. He gets the captain's armband. He's compared to Gerrard, but he's a completely different player to Gerrard. And I think once people started to see past that and realise that, you know, you got to look at what he does rather than what he doesn't do. I think that's, a big problem that a lot of people make or a mistake that a lot of people make is they look at things that players can't do rather than what they do well because with this Liverpool team all the things that the players do well it's all complementary to the, the whole team sure players have, have weaknesses but it's about the other players maybe shoring up those weaknesses but Jordan Henderson we have seen him in the past as well if Fabinho's out he can play in that sixth role and obviously he plays in one of the eights now and he's just been his attitude. A game that actually I think back to was the title-winning season, Anfield, two-one against Tottenham. Mm. He gives the ball away for that early goal, and you could see he was livid with himself. What does he do? Rolls up the sleeves, gets on with it, scores a goal. Liverpool come back, win the game, and that's what you want. That he doesn't feel sorry for himself, and he just. And do you know, I remember watching that game, and there's a few people saying, "Geez, Henderson's." Oh, He's off to a shocker and thinking, geez, he won't last much longer. Uh, he'll, he'll be taken off. He didn't hide. No, and he never does. And mm. there was no way he was going anywhere. Again, this was just a nice little one to throw out there. He's got a two years left in his contract. There was no rush, but it was a nice one off the back of Gini Wijnaldum leaving. But Klopp was never letting this happen because you would imagine Jordan Henderson has not only a long future at Liverpool as a player, but... I'd be very surprised if he's not involved with the the coaching staff in the future as well. I kind of see him and James Milner earmarked for some sort of roles. Maybe they go away and they they learn their trade somewhere else and they come back. But yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. And I thought yeah, there was a few times where he just switches the ball to Simicass on on Saturday, and it's great to see him back. And again, you know, it wasn't the greatest Euros for him. He was carrying an injury going into it, but he is going to be crucial to Liverpool. And that spine, as we talked about, that, you know, the two centre-halves, the likes of Fabinho, Henderson, it's Alisson as well. If Liverpool are going to win the title, that is what wins them the title. Gav, 
I'm going to come to you on a topic that I'm glad I'm coming to you on, and I've done it on purpose. Gav on the cans needs to be the person mm-hmm. answering this this question. And uh, now, right, go on. Oh, mate, Gary Neville, Monday Night Football, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm up for it now. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, a lot of people, a lot of Liverpool fans were watching Monday Night Football, uh, West Ham versus Leicester, and mm-hmm. it was the Monday Night Football where we have Cara and uh, Gary Neville giving their predictions for, for the season. Mm-hmm. Before we even get to the predictions of the season, Gary Neville, and if you'd be so kind, Gav, to pull up the graphic that we prepared in advance... He pulled up this graphic and I'm going to give my little two pence worth, but I'm not going to steal your thunder because you'd be way better place to, to say this than me, right? Gary Neville seems to lose the run of himself when he's talking about his mate, Ollie. And he tried to use this graphic as, I am guessing, a reason why people should give Ollie some time or cut him some slack. And he's mm-hmm. trying to compare points per game, uh, points per game, rank, Premier League games, full seasons, all of the the, the, the the stats you can see at the top of the graphic. And then we get to the bottom of the graphic. And at the bottom of the graphic, you can see the net spend between the two managers. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, 314 million. Jurgen Klopp, 30 million in profit. I want to get your opinion on Gary Neville's failed attempts to try and do his mate a solid and actually making not only himself, in my opinion, but also Solskjaer look immeasurably worse off the back of it. Oh, he absolutely has. Um, himself and the likes of Ferdinand are dying on this hill and they will die on that hill until 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 it happens and Solskjaer is no longer at the club. The funny thing about that graphic for me is, is that if you went back to 2015 to 2018 and ask Gary Neville to talk about Liverpool, he tell you they were nothing to Manchester United. You know, weren't in Manchester United's league. You know, United weren't great at the time. Liverpool, off the back of, from 2015 to 2018, were building something. But he'd be, he'd be patronising to Liverpool, you know. United of this, United of that. United have higher standards than Liverpool. Um, and he wouldn't be, he would, he would, if you showed him that record back in 2018, I'm sure he would have had a right go at Jurgen Klopp over it. You know, and and lashed it, and standards at United are better. And now he's using that for Ali Gunnar Solskjaer to go look. There's a standard at Klopp when he probably was fucking giving out about Klopp and Liverpool and and putting them down and patting them on the head. And here's Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. It's not quite as good, but you know, give him a break. Monday night, I don't. You know, I don't watch this stuff, so I watched a lot of clips, and I was my jaw was on the floor watching it, <laughs> right? Because I couldn't believe what was coming out of his mouth. And he's he's going on about you know you should spend another fucking three hundred million you know you should go and sign Harry Kane now this is the guy that told you that money was ruining football uh, six six months ago whatever whenever the whole European Super League thing happened and, and the self proclaimed saviour of football Gary and Neville he, remember he's the one that actually said on the day of the Leeds Liverpool game why don't Leeds just not play the game because Liverpool don't want competition and he's now encouraging Manchester United to spend. Way beyond their means, because they're, they're, they have a debt, they're running up a debt of about half a billion quid at the minute, right? Beyond their means to cut out any competition in the league. Not do it right, just throw loads more money at it. Just throw loads more money at it. While he's against a load of money over on this thing, because Sky wouldn't have got the rights to the European Super League. Um, them, that crowd in Canada would have got it. So, look, you have you, you have to respect what Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher done in the game. Um Carragher had him on toast, by the way, and it doesn't often happen, I have to say that, but he had him on toast on Monday night. 
you have to respect what they've done in the game. They're probably the two most high-profile pundits in the game. But Monday night was an absolute and utter shambles from Sky and Monday night football. Um, I just, I couldn't believe it, Jamie. I really couldn't because 340 million quid, right? And a billion quid since Alex Ferguson's left the club. And what's their answer? Spend hundred and fifty million. It's a rebuild. It's a rebuild or in transition. No, it's spend. It's spend more money. That's what the thing is, right? Yeah. It's spend more money, and you know what? I half think he was trying to store United fans up with that by saying, "Why don't you go and get Harry Kane?" Because he knows for an absolute fact, right, that he done an interview. He knows because he was there that he done an interview with Harry Kane. <laughs> Okay, he does an interview with Harry Kane. Harry Kane in the interview says he, he thinks he should leave Spores 100 million, blah, 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 blah. Man City are the only ones that are going to do it. They're the only ones that are going to do it. And Gary Neville turns around and says we should go and sign Harry Kane. That's him trying to stir United fans up again against the owners and saying, yeah, why don't we sign Harry Kane? Well, these fellas are taking all this money out. If we didn't take this, if they didn't take this money out, we'd be able to sign Harry Kane. You know what I mean? He's a hypocrite. That's basically what he is. He's a hypocrite. And, you know, he'll tell you one thing and then he'll go and do the other. And look, my respect for Gary Neville in a footballing sense and what he's done in the game is quite high. You know, when he talks 90% of the time, I would listen because I think he does talk sense. But when you put him into a United, into that United arena, he completely and utterly loses it for me. And he, he gets he gets too emotional over it. And it, it, it's kind of like, what are we? you can really see a panic in him. You know, where he can he can dissect, um, really coldly dissect other clubs and other players and other managers. But when it comes to United, it's like he's dying on a hill on one side and he's trying to keep a fan base from me on the other. So it's, it's a really big juggling act for him. And he doesn't quite walk for him at times. It doesn't quite walk for him. But look, I, it was entertaining. I'll, I'll <laughs> give you that. It was entertaining. But I don't know where the defence comes from. It, it's nearly like they're setting up for... We jumped ahead of ourselves seven days ago when we beat Leeds. And now we drew a Southampton. And now what do we do if we don't actually win this? Six through last season. Yeah, but what, 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 do we, what do we do if we don't win this league? We're going to have to start putting in some sort of insurance policies here. And look, it, it, it was madness. It was absolute madness. To compare Klopp and what he took over to Solskjaer and what he took over and to spend... It, look, I might as well be fucking comparing myself to... Jamie has a centre midfielder, like it's fucking chalk and cheese. You know the sort of way. So it's one of those, Jamie. But I, I, if he doesn't regret it, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't regret Monday and he told his missus to knock that off series length and delete it as quick as possible. <laughs> so now I'm going to be awkward, right? And we're going to do our own version of Monday Night Football now. And we're going to go around the room and we're going to get our predictions. So predictions for top four. We're going to get predictions for top scorer, and then we've all picked one player to watch for the season. So, Gav, I'm uh, I'm going to come to you last because you've obviously just told mm-hmm. us your your thoughts on Gary Neville. Conroy, I'm going to come to you first, mate. Who is your top four pick? Um, and then if you could give us your top scorer. Right. So, I, I hate when people say my head on my heart. I hate that pish. Right. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say... Gav made a good point last week. He said, see if the transfer window closes right now, thanks Liverpool can win it. I'm not quite on that hill yet because I feel like, as I say, football fans were all reactionary. 
Burnley and Norwich, great. However, there was times last season where we didn't play well, didn't get in the game quickly enough, and then it was panic stations. And the fans coming back, yes, it's brilliant, it's amazing, but let's not lie, fans get frustrated as well, and that can have its own effect. And I do feel like there'll be a few games where I need to see that they can, a bit like when they won the league, they can overcome that. Because at times, just you can't play well every game. It's not going to happen. And you need that, sometimes a bit of individual brilliance to get over the line. So at the moment, I do think it will be City. I just think City have just got this <laughs> this uh, way of just beating the teams that you beat to win the league. As soon as they lost the Spurs, it doesn't matter. That'll be like water off a duck's back. They smash Norwich. They'll probably win next week. It'll beat Arsenal quite comfortably. And that's just what they do. So at the moment, I was, I was quite close with it, but I'm going to go for City first. Liverpool second because I do think Chelsea have a good season and I think actually we'll learn a lot on Saturday because of we've seen what Lukaku done to Arsenal. But as you said, having uh, Van Dijk and Matip and Fabinho, you're going to see, and I'm a fan of Lukaku by the way, but you're going to see how good, how good, and that's going to be a very interesting battle. So Chelsea third for me and then United I was close to saying Leicester, but actually having seen West Ham do that other night, and I know it's only just one game, I think United with Varane and Sancho and also Cavani will still be there for the season. I think they'll finish fourth. So that's my top four, Jamie. My top scorer, stuck with this one. I'm actually going to say, I'm going to go for Lukaku. It was between Lukaku and Salah, but I do think Lukaku, a bit like we said, the teams who, who maybe aren't top quality, he will score a lot of goals because he is a he is a very very good striker. Uh, can I just say before I come to Phil's predictions, I am absolutely loving the optimism in the chat. The amount of people that have put Liverpool first t- uh, tip of the hat to every single one of you. I love it. used to be the pessimist. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about yeah. it. Uh, Phil, what's yours? I think I've picked the same as Conroy. I'm thinking City are still the team to beat. I said it last week. City with Pep Guardiola and the resources they have should be winning the league every season. If they don't, then it's a sign of a great team that can stop them. So uh, the fact that Liverpool stopped them once and brought them to the final day of the season, uh, another season, just shows how good this Liverpool team is. And that's why if Liverpool get back to those levels, they're definitely going to be in the mix. But I would still just at the moment be leaning towards City because... I still am apprehensive about what lies ahead. What happens if certain players are missing for Liverpool? Have they got the players that can come in and and fill the job? Now, I don't think the squad is as uh, threadbare as some people think. I think there is a bit of depth in the Liverpool squad, but it's just certain players that if they're not there, then it'll be an uncomfortable watch. I think Chelsea, obviously, expect to to be challenging. And so I, I'd go for them third and then Manchester United. But I think it will be a lot closer. I think even United finishing fourth will be a lot closer to whoever wins the title this season. Uh, I would go with Lukaku just because, as top scorer, because, yeah, he'll just, you saw it the other day, what he'll do against defences that he can boss. He'll just bang in goals. And the player I, I, I was kind of in between two players, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen with Ferran Torres. Can Pep make something out of him? But I'm actually thinking Kai Havertz because obviously the pay- Chelsea paid a lot of money for this lad. Uh, got COVID, no fans. People almost said, geez, he's a bit of a flop. That's just what the way modern football is now. If you have six bad games, you're written off. But he got his form together towards the end of the season. Obviously scored the winning goal in the Champions League. 
saw him the other day against Arsenal, some of his touches. He's just one of those mercurial players where he just finds space. He's a really technical player. The only thing you you need to see, you just need maybe a bit more aggression in him where he's a bit too nice. But as he matures and I suppose the competition and that Chelsea team, he'll know that he has to perform week in, week out. So I think I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings. Gav, you had a brilliant stat. And Conroy, I'll come back to you for your one to watch in a minute. Um, Gav, you had a brilliant stat that you pulled up on Kai Havertz that blew my mind uh, where we were comparing Michael Ballack's numbers uh, to Kai Havertz's numbers and the amount of goals that he scored in comparison to Michael Ballack career numbers, 315 games, 66 goals, 24 assists. Havertz, 140 games, 43 goals, 28 assists. Like that's some, some return for a player that's arguably yet to find his feet. Gav, you want to jump in? That's a mad start. I don't even know if that's true. I found it on the internet. Um, <laughs> but when I read it, I was like, well, if that's true, I'm putting it up there. People tell me, if people tell me it's wrong, what can I do? Um, it's, it's 11 o'clock on night. I can't change it now. But if it is true, <laughs> uh, well, he's, he's got serious, serious numbers. Um, but you know what? I'm not having it. I'm not having it these, from these two pricks tonight. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Liverpool to win the league. I thought you were talking about Balak and Havertz. No, no, we get back to him in a minute. We get back to him in a minute. Um, Why is he I'm, 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 too annoyed. I'm too annoyed at fucking Philip and Conroy here. Um, <laughs> Liverpool are winning the league. And, and uh, I'm not having yes, a about anything else. Because, and this is why. City have signed one player. And I don't think they've signed the player they need. All right? Um, and I think United have signed two players. And I think... I think one of them is not what they need. I think yeah. Sancho's a really, really good player, but they need a dominating midfielder, and they don't have it, all right? And I think if you pull up to United, you can beat them. And I think you'll see that a bit this season um, with, with, with mid-ranking sites. I was going to say Arsenal there. Fucking hell, no. Um, no, they're in Ch- a minute. Leave Chelsea, them, leave Chelsea, them. For, me, them for, Chelsea for me are strong. I think they have a big belief in what they've done, especially with, you know, Tudor coming halfway through the season and going to win in Champions League. And they nearly, they win a Champions League, but before that, you know, they nearly make a mess of the league by beating, beating that Villa, I think, on the last day of the season. Um, I think they were just lucky that, I think, Spurs win away at Leicester on the same day. Um, and, and I, for me, I look at it and I don't think enough is being put on the players that have come back for Liverpool. I really, really don't. You know, we're literally, like we said it earlier, we were literally like the 21 different centre-back partnerships for Liverpool last season, I think it was, right? And no offence, but we're Reese Williams and um, Nat Phillips played a centre-back at Old Trafford last season. Do you know what I'm saying? And then you have Van Dijk back, you have Gomez back, Canate's uh, come in, Matip is fit across everything. He's he's fit. Thiago's got a a good run under his belt towards the back end of last season. You know, Jota had an injury, but he's back. Mane's put that season behind him. Hopefully, you've got Salah, who's great. Firmino, I think he's being like I said. I think he's being um, managed. You know, Henderson's will be back and fighting for being just so many players back. And not only that, they're back. They're back and they're. It's a squad that know each other inside out, know what they have to do for each other. So for me, and I said it to Conroy on the show last night we done on his channel, starting now in Liverpool, I win the title. I don't, I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I don't care what anyone says. Now, I could be wrong, but for me, 
100% Liverpool are winning this title if you start it tomorrow. Now, things may change in the next six days with regards to... But I don't know if United are going to do anything else. I don't know if Chelsea are going to do anything else. Um, I think City will. I think City will bring in one attacker and that might swing it um, back in their favour. But right now, Liverpool for me for the title. And Mo Salah to be top scorer, by the way. Um, 100%. Uh, because that bottler, Kane, you know... He, you know, we can't even get a transfer over the line, so I can't, I don't expect him to, to, to be a top scorer. And Mo Salah to be top scorer in Liverpool to win the league. That's all I'm saying. And you're two, three, four? Two. Irrelevant, irrelevant. After that, I'm ready to put me, me shin pads yeah, on and start doing well, knee slides out the front. Yeah, I'm going to start I'm tackling ready. the internal doors here. Um, <laughs> two, City, three, Chelsea, four, United. I don't. I'd, I'd be amazed if they aren't the top four in any order come the end of the season. Amazed because I don't think there's. I don't think there's. I don't think there's enough there. Don't give me Leicester. For, for, will you stop it? You know what I mean? I'm fucking sick talking about them. They've done it twice now. You know, two years ago it was nineteen points in twenty three games, and they're flying. They were second in the league, or was the second in the league for a while, and ended up finishing fifth. You know, they were they were right on United's tail anyway, and ended up finishing fifth. So. Um, I think I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if if them four aren't top four in, in any particular order come the end of the season. And you want to watch? Um I have I've lovely stats for all these fuckers and you're just throwing them at me now. Um the one to watch Yeah, I went with um I can't even remember who I went with now, Jamie. Uh, oh yes, I went with this guy. Um Mason Greenwood of United. Um I think he's a fantastic footballer. Um, there's a stat there before 2019 about how many minutes he's played, minutes per goal involvement. Um, I think he's, I think he's a very, very good player, and that's why, that's why, I, that's why the Sancho stuff, although as, although as good as Sancho is, I, I, I kind of don't understand it. I think, I think Greenwood is such, such a talent, and he looks, he's quick, he's strong, he's skillful, and um, he has vision, you know, and he's a killer. You put him in front of the goal. Most times he's a killer, and and I think, I, I think he he's really good for United. You know, I don't, Martial, I don't think he'll do enough. I think Green will be a massive, massive player for Manchester. Do you think they'll play him through the middle, Gav? Do you think maybe that's why they've got Sancho? They're maybe looking to put Greenwood through the middle after Cavani leaves. They could, they could, and Cavani only has a year there, and Martial doesn't doesn't pull up any trees. And, no, and, you, you and, let's let's I, 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 I like I do like Rashford off the left hand side. I think he'd be a bit. I think he's more of a creative player than a killer, um, in Rashford. Yeah. And you know, when I look at Rashford, I think I'm always more more worried about Rashford if, he, if you're telling me he's playing down the left hand side than he is up front. I think he's just that sort of player. I, I think agree. he's explosive. Yeah. I think he has got vision. He's a good shot on him. You know, he, I, I like him, Rashford. But when I look at this Greenwood fella, every time I look at him play, I think he's a he's a serious player. Yeah, killer. You can see it. Ruthless. Yeah, he's, a, he's a serious yeah. player. So before we move on to the Liverpool Chelsea game and, and predictions on on lineups and, and how we think, can I just have one to watch? That's all right, Jim. Oh, I haven't forgotten. Mate, go oh, on, sorry. take the floor. You'll be yeah, oh, you'll, yeah. you'll not be surprised to know that this is a <laughs> Scottish player, mate. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I'm shocked. No, see the in all seriousness though, right? This is more preparation for the Liverpool Norwich game. I'm telling you right now, the kid went down to Wembley, absolutely smashed it. Declan Rice being quoted at 100 million. Calvin Phillips, Billy Gilmore, best player in the park, man of the match. That's all I'm saying. All joking aside, I think it would be really good to see him get 
consistent games because there's a mad stat on top of Gavs. I think his first four games in the competition, he got a man of the match. I think it was late in four competitions, he got a man of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be really good to see him take away Liverpool and City because that's kind of a, can't really judge much in that. And he was decent against Liverpool. But I feel like to see him in a full season will be really good for him. I do feel like Chelsea, I don't know if I'm the only one who sees it this way, if, if you disagree, but for me, they're just prepping Billy Gilmore. Like, he will not get sold on. For me, no. Gilmore will replace Jorginho or Kovacic in a couple of years, or even maybe next year. Maybe that's a bit too soon. But he, he's honestly outstanding, and he, he, he's, he's actually could be very big, big for Scotland, to be honest, because you can actually build a team around him. And yeah. I know it's a bit obvious for me going for Scottish. That's me have a Andy Robertson loving and now a Billy Gilmore, but genuinely the, the kid is special. And I think even Grizz would agree with that, to be fair. Is, is, is there a worry with Gilmore playing for Norwich that he's not going to get enough of the ball? That he's going to be just looking at the ball being zipped around them? Because I know they like to play football Norwich, but they're just not good enough. No, it's a fair point, Phil, but I feel like you're at least going to get a... Ch- See, with a Norwich, you're better to try it with a team like a Norwich or a Bournemouth in previous years or even like a Brentford where they'll at least try. So yeah. it, it'll be playing actual consistent games. And it might be to the opposite effect, Phil. It might be a case of, I don't know about you, but you know, academy players, eh, there's certain players who've just went from strength to strength and never really had many knockbacks. But it might be good for him as a, as a footballer to have a team who's not a top team and he has to actually learn what it's like to, to scrap a win or get a lose, show him a different side to him. I just feel like overall, Phil, whatever way it goes, a full season is going to be really good for him. Consistent games. I think this is Gary Neville uh, quote, actually. I think he says you're not really a, a established footballer until you've played 200 games under your belt. So I think overall, either way, that might happen, Phil. He might lose a lot. I think it will be good for him as a player. And I'll be, I'm going to watch him. Yeah, yeah. No, he, oh, he, he looks like a serious player, though. He does look yeah. like a serious player, but I, I would have, uh, I know where you're coming from. I think he's highly rated at Chelsea, and, and and people in the chat are thinking he might be moved on, and some others are thinking he's top class. I would have, if I was Chelsea, I'd be putting him into a, no offense to Norwich, but a, a little bit of a higher ranking side, if you know what I mean. Someone a bit more seasoned in the Premier League, where they know how to play the game in the Premier League because I think I think Norwich are one of the most naive sides you've ever seen in the Premier League two years ago and in fairness to play Liverpool and City the first two games would be interesting over the next yeah I can't really judge right now yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting over the next five or six if, if, they ha- if they've learned or if they still are, are naive under um, Fark isn't it um, that's the yeah. manager there but I was a bit surprised that you didn't see Gilmore because any time I've seen him play, he was brilliant against Liverpool when he played against him um, and I was a bit surprised that he didn't go for someone Say like a Southampton, you know, just a little bit higher of a ranking where, like Phil says, instead of chasing the ball around, Southampton know how to get a foothold in a game. Regardless of who it's against, they know to get a foothold in a game and that's where Gilmore might prosper. But I, I, I agree with you. Anytime I've seen him, I've been really, really impressed with him. Yeah, so we're gonna move. We're gonna move on to Chelsea. So I'll give you my top four uh, very quickly. I am very much on the the Gav way of yes. thinking. Yeah. This is that's because me and you're the, on the drink and they're not. That's, that's uh, yeah, exactly. Phil, <laughs> um, drinking loads of cans and going to walk at half five in the morning. Not be doing about it. <laughs> Look, if Liverpool win the league, we'll all be drinking cans together. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we drinking them? <laughs> that's the main part. That's the main thing. <laughs> um, yeah, Liverpool are going to win the league. I, I think that. I understand fans clamour for new signings. I think Liverpool could benefit from one or two through the door. But I think a lot of people, including pundits, including opposition fans, massively underestimate the quality of this Liverpool squad. The quality of this Liverpool squad that is now back together, having gone through pretty much two seasons 
smashing everybody. This is the same Liverpool team, and we've added additional quality. So this is uh, this is an evolution of the Liverpool team. You see in the impact that Jota can have. You haven't even seen Thiago with the first choice midfield yet. You've got four quality centre-backs that we're going to be able to rotate. I think we're going to see Jurgen Klopp rotate the team more. I don't think he's going to rely on that standard 11. I think you're going to see the spine stay pretty consistent. But the one thing that this Liverpool team have got is a point to prove. Klopp loves being the underdog. Liverpool love being the underdog. And everybody has written us off. We couldn't be more primed and ready to smash everybody that comes in our way. And it's going to be a big game on, on, on Saturday. And I think Liverpool are going to lay a marker and, and everybody's going to sit up and take notice. So I am fully, fully behind Liverpool winning the league, uh, put going all the way in the Champions League. I, I think Liverpool have got enough to challenge on all fronts. Um, and that's not just the wine talk. And if you ask me at nine o'clock in the morning, I'll say the same thing. So Liverpool to win, uh, win the league. Number two, Manchester City. Number three, I'm going to go Manchester United and I'm going to go Chelsea. Number four, uh, top scorer, Mo Salah. And my one to watch to complete everything Liverpool is Harvey Elliott. So uh, you can accuse me of having my rose-tinted glasses on. You're dead right, I have. Harvey Elliott, um, I think he's got the world at his feet. Uh, an 18-year-old lad that's come in for his first Premier League start against horrible opposition. A team of yard dogs that are looking to boot him all over the pitch. He was the most fouled player, but you know what he did? He got back up. He got on the ball. I think he made the most final third passes out of anybody on the pitch. Um, his composure, his ability to go both ways. I don't want to say it because it'll probably get clipped and people will throw this at me. Um He's got a little bit of the Philip Coutinho's about him in that he can excel in the half space. Uh, he picks up pockets where players don't want to follow him um, and he and he backs himself. He really backs himself. And, and Phil, we spoke about it in the week. There was an interview that he did on BT Sport with one of his old coaches at um, QPR, I think it was. And Fulham. the humility... Yeah, sorry, Fulham. Um, the humility of the fella. And he just wants to get better. He, he's happy to play any position and he just wants to develop. So he, he really does have the have the world at his feet now. I want to move on to the Chelsea game. Um, because, and I'll come to you first, Phil. You know, a lot of people are saying Liverpool need to sign players, sign players, sign players. I wouldn't like to be Jurgen Klopp picking a start in 11 for that Chelsea game because there's a lot of players that are going to be staking a claim, you know, particularly in midfield. There's some big names that are looking to come back. Um, you know, there's there's obviously the competition between Firmino and Jota that we spoke about at the start of the show. It's not going to be easy to Klopp, uh, for Klopp to pick that team. No, um, that is the team that's... The only change I would make with that team, as I said earlier on, I would probably go Firmino to start instead of Jota. But like I've alluded, if Jota starts, I'm not going to be outraged. I'm going to be thinking, well, Firmino will be in reserve and obviously... Jota will test Chelsea in other ways. And look, Liverpool will find a way of getting to Jorginho and they'll, they'll find a way of getting at that Chelsea defence. So I wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't worry me. I think Robertson comes back in and like what a boost that was to see him on the bench last weekend. Great to see Simicast play well because I talked about him at the Norwich game where he faded a bit, but I thought he was brilliant last week. And obviously the little cameo or the little passage of play where he was just running into people and you know got a standing ovation as he came off and something I said after the Norwich game where he made mistakes but you could see he was pissed off at himself where he was angry and he, he obviously went into the game last week against Burnley and said I'm not going to make those mistakes again and obviously sets up the first goal 
he had a great game. And, and it just, you know what? It just means that if Robertson needs to be taken out of the team at certain start stages of the season, you feel a bit more comfortable now that Simicas, again, a Greek international, had COVID, moved to a new country, new league. People, um, again, people just thought this guy, he's not going to work out. Another player written off, like so many of them written off last season. And I said last season was a freak season in terms of, of what was happening. So uh, I think Robertson comes back in. I think Keita deserves a place in the team just in that role. Look, we've been talking about him playing very similar way to Gino Wijnaldum. It's so funny watching the reaction of Liverpool fans after a game because it's so mixed on Keita. Uh, some people were saying, yeah, Keita was brilliant again. Uh, you get other people saying, I don't know what game you're watching. So Keita is going to be that player. He's going to be that divisive player for Liverpool where he, some fans love him, some don't. Again, look, it's his fourth season. I know Liverpool fans expected him to hit the ground running considering how much money they paid for him. And also the fact that they waited. They said Leipzig, he can have him. And uh, we're going to wait. And he comes in. Obviously, he's been injured all the time. So I, I think there are the two calls. Who starts up front and who starts in the midfield three. I think Henderson and Fabinho have to start. So for me, there's two places up for grabs. Conroy, you made a comment before we came, uh, before we went live. It was about whether Fabino would would come back in. And, and I think Phil's right. That's where maybe some of the, the, the tough decisions are in midfield. For me, I, I think, and I said it before we came on, Fabino is a must. Uh, reason being, if you look at the Arsenal game, um, you know, they, they fa- failed miserably to cut off the supply line into Lukaku's feet. I think Fabino is one of the world's best at, at, at shielding that defence. So I think he's a must. I think for me, the, the conversation is whether Naby Keita uh, comes, it stays and keeps his place in the side or Thiago comes in. Um, where do you sit on that? And can I just say, I love the fact that Gav went to get an extra can before we finish on winners and losers. I absolutely love that, Gav. I know exactly what you're doing. It's my favourite part of the week. Phil's going to get about an hour, half an hour sleep before he goes to work. It's going to be great. Uh, so, Conroy, who starts, who starts in the midfield three for you? Um, it's got me thinking. Fabinho, for me, as is, is Phil said before we came on as well, it's Chelsea. It's a massive game. If it's maybe a different team, maybe a different story. I think Fab starts... Um, I think it will be Kate, it'll be Henderson and then I'm assuming it'll be Keita but I've got to ask because I know you're a big Thiago fan as well as I am Jamie do you think maybe Thiago might sneak in that team at the weekend? Uh, ooh, it, it's a difficult one I think if you said to me what's our best midfield three it's Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho if you look at how Thiago played when he came on he did a he did a slinky run. He, he 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 basically sold three players and then played a killer pass. But then he made and I'm going to say it. There was two sloppy passes. One of them wasn't his fault. One was a was a header that fell between. I think it was Henderson and a centre back or Henderson and a fullback. And the two of them just looked at the ball and neither of them went for it. So I'm going to say he made one poor pass which nearly gave him a goal. Um, if I'm a betting man now, I think Naby Keita gets the nod for this game. Um, if you say to me who do I think is our best midfield three when all fit are firing it's it's Henderson, Fabinho and, and Thiago but if I'm picking the team tomorrow I'd probably just give Naby Keita the nod Yeah I think I, I would agree with that and I, you didn't ask me from a front three did you Jamie? So no, not yet, go, no you can go for that mate go on tell us your front three 
I've got to be honest, Phil, before I was 100% in Jota's camp, but when you raised that point about Jorginho, it did get me thinking about, as we've done the stream, I've been thinking in my head, it's a bit like, do we want to worry about them? But that's that's silly to think like that, because you obviously have to give respect to Chelsea. But the thing with Jota, as one of the comments said earlier, I think it's a bit disrespectful to say he's not involved in the game, but for me, he doesn't really overthink things. I think last season, or even the season before, we've got our front three, they definitely got a bit, you know, in their head when it came to finishing. Maybe you'd say Salah's never been like that, but definitely Manny and Firmino. But Jota, I just think he's so effective. Like, he just, I don't think he overthinks things. I think he just seems to do stuff. And before you know it, one up. It's such a hard one for me. But I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with before the stream. I think Jota, just because, as I said, actually with the Norwich game, when a guy's playing that well and he's, he's scored another goal, can you really drop him? I don't know if, if, if it works for me, I think he's in a good running form now and he'll keep Jota up front. But I fully agree with what Phil's saying. I think the Firmino-Jorginho uh, debate's interesting. That, that that might come into play as well. Gav, yeah. any any uh, notes? Because I know you're dying to get to winners and losers, so we'll keep this brief, right? <laughs> any any uh, any uh, surprising changes for you in your starting eleven? And then I'll just go quickly around the room to get a prediction. No, I've put that line up on the screen now is what I go with. I think Robertson will come back in simply because of it. You know, nothing on Simicast. I think just because of his experience in the big games, uh, he knows he knows what this means. He knows Chelsea, you know, and he was chomping at the bit to play against Bournemouth, but it was probably a day early, as he said himself. Um, Fabinho, all things being okay, definitely comes in because he's going to be absolutely huge in this game for me. Uh, I don't think I don't think. Um, I don't think Thiago makes it into the side. I think he's he's being managed as well. He had a slight knock and, you know, we have enough to cover him there. Why risk it? So I think Fabinho protecting Henderson's work rate and Keita's work rate, in fairness to him, and, and that little... And you, you, we talk about Firmino maybe starting and putting pressure on Jorginho, but I think that might be Keita's job as well because Keita is a fucking ridiculous presser and he just nicks it. Um, if he nicks it with them three boys up front against what will look like tr- probably three Chelsea centre backs, it could anything could happen. So I think that that one on screen I think is is more or less where I would go at the moment. Um, and I'm, ha- I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. I'm, I'm I'm at a stage now where I go. You know what? We're arguing over Thiago or Keita. We're arguing over Firmino or or Jota. You know, could Kanate come in instead of Matip? Could Simica and Great arguments to have. Great, great arguments to have. Especially for a team with no squad depth, as everybody keeps telling us literally, now. Literally 10 players we have. Predictions. Gav, I'll stay with you. Score. Um, I said it at full time against Bournemouth, 2-1 to Liverpool. Any particular scorers? Salah. And Jota. Phil. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking 2-1. Like, one all is the safe one, but I just have a feeling Liverpool are going to score from a set piece. I think I'd love to see if I... Yeah, do you know what? Like, for the size of him, he he should actually be scoring more. Now, here's one for you. What do you think of the corners, the way they they take them, in terms of... They're always outswingers. Hate it. But think... Yeah, think back to the... The biggest goal we scored last season, the most the most iconic goal we scored last season. Allison's header was an in swinger <laughs> from Trent Alexander Arnold, and 
I just I I know why they 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 hit out swingers. I mean, especially you know, you're looking at the size of Edward Mendy. You know, he if if you hit an in swinger and you don't get it right, he just comes out and catches it, and then you're you're frustrated and you're throwing your hands in the air, going, "Well, that was a waste." But sometimes I just like to see one just absolutely fizzed in, whipped in, and I'd like to see Van Dyke. But the beauty of Van Dyke going up as well is Matip gets more space because everyone's afraid of Van Dyke. So maybe one of the two lads could score one. And do you know what? Then Danny Murphy will have to talk about the, the set piece coaches, well, you know. Don't don't get don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> Danny Murphy's a joke, isn't he? Okay, Gav, can you just pull up the comment there from Veranda Cheese? Uh makes a comment. Yeah, but on... for hold on, can I can I just can I I will put it up and can I caveat with this, right? Oh go on. Veranda Cheese is a, is a guy I know. Right, and he's wound me up the other night, and he's trying to do the same again. But I'm going to put it up anyway, because um, okay. he says uh, a lot of you in this party eating your words over Slate and Navi, and last year and over the summer, and he's proving he's all wrong now. He's just a wind up. He's, I know he's winding us up, but uh, do you know what? I'm glad he put it up because I'm actually proved a hundred percent right on Navi Kate. A hundred percent right. I told you he had all the tools to be a brilliant Liverpool player. It was reliability that was killing him, and if his reliability goes up. Um, significantly this season he'll show you the tools he has but thanks Neil for that why don't you use your real name Neil <laughs> love it Gav uh, Conroy predictions um, the usual one I go for but uh, I think it could be 1-0 Sadio Mane go I was going to say Joe Matic for a corner but I think I'll just say Sadio Mane 1-0 Liverpool um, I think we actually hopefully I feel we will we'll, we'll boss um, I do think Lukaku's afraid. I'm not going to down the player, but I do feel, as you said, Keita, Henderson, Fabinho, and then Matip and uh, Big Verge. I feel like it's going to be a great battle, but I think we'll come out on top. So 1-0, Sadio Mane. I think, for what it's worth, 2-0. Uh, I think we will keep a clean sheet. I think I feel like we will be like a pack of rabid dogs and you will hear Anfield in full voice. I think we'll swarm them. We won't give them a second and they'll feel the fun, full power of Anfield come Saturday and I cannot wait. Now, Gav, you're ready. You're ready, yeah. mate. Your favourite time of the week. You're giddy. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So, like we did last week, so we debuted our winners and losers of we the week. We have to be quick here now because Phil needs to go to bed. I know, I know. I'm very, I'm very mindful of the fact and that you have to, be up you early. have to start watching Love Island that you all from the start again. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. The I've series. not got Love Island now, so I'm, I'm here all night. But uh, no, got the reu- reunions happening next week, is it not, Jimmy? You get the reunion. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. I've got that. Yeah, so I still get get one more to go. But uh, yeah, I'm mindful of the fact that Phil's up early, right? And and I wanted to give this more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after oh, last week. Don't mind me. Don't we mind should me. do. We yeah. should no. We should do. No, no, we have to. We have to look after you because you know it's it's proper practice in a work environment that you have a certain amount of hours have, sleep before you go to work. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can't have like an hour sleep between two shifts apparently. But <laughs> we should do another podcast on this. Literally, we should call it winners and losers. We and should rant about people for like two we hours. Should. It'd be great crack. We should, like, I think we gave it 10 minutes last week. And to be honest, we should have just, I actually thought when writing the agenda, do I put this first? But then I thought to myself, we won't talk about anything no, else. This will, literally, this will literally be 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. But uh, right, so the, the general gist for those that didn't see last week, uh, everybody on the uh, on the show will give us their winners and losers of game week two in the Premier League. It can be players, refs, managers, fans, anything they want. Uh, and I'm good because he's smiling and he can't wait to get it out. I'm going to come to Gav first um you can start with your winner or loser gav it's totally up winners to you. winners are Leeds united fans um 
because he finally got into a, a ground to watch the team in the Premier League. I'm not like I know Joe. Joe Wayman is, is a massive, massive Leeds fan that comes onto this show um, every so often. He's a top, top fella, and um, you know I think I kind of I've softened towards Leeds because of Joe. And I'm being honest with you, with the build up to that game at the weekend against Everton and Leeds being in the Premier League and being able to actually put fans in the ground, uh, I was delighted for Joe in particular. But, you know, the Leeds fans were brilliant at the weekend and I think they're the winners of the weekend after 16. It should have been 16 and 17, I think, full ground for the first time in 17 years. Um, yeah, Leeds are definitely the winners. And you're losers of the Arsenal week. Football Club. <laughs> um, like it's 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 getting beyond the joke now. You know, I've seen that they're being linked now with owners that are going to boil them from Qatar or Saudi Arabia or something. And all. <sighs> for fuck's sake! And you know what? I watched the game on Sunday, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, I and and you know what? It doubled down afterwards because he's because uh, I had to said this is a long term project that, you know, it'll take time and we won't see the effect straight away. And I went, mate, just stick somebody in the middle of midfield that's going to defend your back four and you have a great chance. And I'll tell you how bad it got for Arsenal. In injury time in the first half, right, the commentator said Arsenal have done quite well in the first five minutes of this half yeah. and okay in the last five minutes of this half. But in between, it's all being Chelsea. And I thought, that's a fucking disgrace. That's a disgrace. Like, I'd literally lose my mind if Liverpool played Chelsea at home and they were good for the first five and the last five at home on the second game of the season. Now, we're playing Chelsea at home at this game of the season and we could lose it on Saturday. We could, but we're not going to be like we are there. It's it's all over the shop, Jamie. And I get a project and I get, you know, even if you want to go with that and it's a project and it's a long-term thing, but surely as, you know, a, a, a... pupil of the game and you're playing Romelu Lukaku you do the simple thing and you put a defensive midfield and you say you stand on his toes and if, I, if you stand on his toes I'm willing to sacrifice other stuff around the pitch because we know he's being signed for everything to go through him he's going to try to hold everything up and he's going to have Mason Mount buzzing off him and he's going to have Jorginho looking to get the ball back off him and he's going to have Kovic is looking to get it and get it right to Reese James and, and Alonso him and Kai Havertz is going to be running beyond them and they've done none of that and it was so fucking terrible to watch it really really was like that for back four for Arsenal when I seen it I said to myself I'd nearly be going to the ticker office at Arsenal going listen are you doing swaps you know what I mean are you doing swaps <laughs> one that, time that, done that one time yeah. you know the cash <laughs> converters where you buy a game for your computer and even though it's only a week old you only get 50% for it when you go back I literally taken half my money and walked home you know I really 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 would so it, Arsenal Football Club are the losers yet again and I hope to get beaten at the weekend so we can talk about this again next Wednesday same time next week I've looked forward to it same Phil. time same cans yeah <laughs> by the way just to point out Arsenal won 6-0 tonight yeah and, <laughs> wow. and from what I can make out um, Arteta was nice and smug afterwards which was fantastic yeah, ah, yeah in fairness West Brom made 11 changes so um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just getting used to what life in the championship will be like Nah, no, it's not that bad, yeah. <laughs> Go on, Phil, who's your winners and losers? Winner, Shane Duffy. Um, bit of a surprise when he was named in the, the Brighton team to start against Burnley in the first weekend, then scores against Watford at the weekend. And just, I'm so happy for him because he has had a shocking time 
on and off the pitch. He went to Celtic, you know, a boyhood Celtic fan. This was his dream move. You know, he'd been squeezed out of the, the Brighton team, but he said, I'll go to Celtic. And obviously we know there was no fans there. Unfortunately, he, his his father passed away and he just couldn't, um, he just couldn't keep it together. And this shows us that footballers are human. We think we see them do amazing things on the football pitch and we think they're superhuman, but deep down they're human beings and it just all got too much for him. And he came back to Brighton towards the end of last season when it didn't work out at Celtic. And just reading, he did an interview with the Brighton uh, website there before the Watford game. And he just said, it feels like I'm back home. And there he is alongside Lewis Dunk. And when he scored his goal, I just thought, like, he's, you know, he, he's back. And it could only be a good thing for Ireland as well, because when Stephen Kenny took over, a lot of people thought that could be the end of Shane Duffy. But it just shows that the guy has serious stones to, to come back. And yeah, I was delighted from the score. And actually, you know, Brighton themselves could be in the winner's category because it's always thrown at them that they play lovely football, but they don't score enough goals. And, you know, they've started with two wins from two. First time they've ever done that. And Graham Potter's beard is, deserves a mention as well. So <laughs> that, that's the kind of winning package. Losers. Like Gavin going back to last week's loser. And I had oh, Steve yeah. Bruce. I forgot there was a bonus bit. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I had I kind of had Steve Bruce in mind, but I think he'll feature a few times before the well, I was gonna say before the end of the season. That's if he lasts. But Harry Kane today put out a tweet. Look at this. Incredible to see the reception from the Spurs fans on Sunday and to read some of the messages of support I've had in the last few weeks. I will be staying at Tottenham this summer. Now, th- those two words uh, cracked me up. And will be 100% focused on helping the team achieve success. What success would that be, Harry? Would that be the Europa <laughs> Conference League? Now, bear in mind, they're 1-0 down to Paco de Ferreira. They have that big game tomorrow, seeking they turn it around and get to the group stage of the Europa Conference League. But Harry Kane has had to come back to Spurs with his tail firmly between his legs. And have you watched Spurs under Nuno? They are absolutely turgid to watch. It's basically Mourinho part two without the pantomime of Mourinho. Nuno played for Mourinho. He was part of that Porto squad that won the Champions League and the UEFA Cup. So he's obviously not as much of a mouthpiece as Mourinho, but they're so bad to watch. Harry Kane's probably going to be starved of the ball. And it's going to be a shit season for him. He could put on a brave face, but he'd be there meeting up with his England buddies and Jack Grealish would be there going, oh, it's brilliant at City. You should you should have joined. <laughs> and sorry, but... He's Harry, Jamaican, Phil, yeah? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, put it down to a, we'll put it down to a bad mic. Hard to go, he's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... It's an absolute disaster from Harry Kane. You know, he backed himself to get a move away and now he's still at Spurs. So I had to stick him in as the, the loser again. Love stuff, Conroy. Uh, for me, I, I was going to go with the easy one with Arsenal and, and Pablo Mari and, and just the full team, but I'm not going to do that. Um, for me, I'll start with losers and end on the more positive note. It's actually quite hard because you just picked the, the top two. But I'm going to say I, I also Perez for the challenge on um, 
I forgot the West Ham player. That, that's terrible. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, There's well, some people annoying. were debating it. For for me, that's like I, I get a bit annoyed sometimes when people say, "Oh, it's not intent." Honestly, just read the rule book for like the last ten years. Intent's never been in there. Jamie Vardy against Stoke at Britannia got shoved like that. Studs were up, red card. Could have broke the guy's leg. So. Had a think there, he's my loser this week because I, I don't know what they're arguing about. In my opinion, it's a clear red card, very dangerous. Oh, um, it's luck. Yeah, it's, it's but but this is the thing luck. nowadays, people just want to question everything, and yeah, just the, the, the fact that people don't know that rule uh, uh, that annoys me. So that's the loser this week. A few uh, honorable mentions for the winner, um, I would say Antonio, but the comments said that getting being West Ham's yeah. uh, record goal scoring the Premier League, yeah. Danny Ings with overhead kick, one of the best goals we've seen in the Premier League, probably goal of the season, outstanding. Imagine getting in for thirty million. It's almost like he was a bargain, and someone should have went for him. But we'll not get into that. <laughs> uh, and my winner is going to be actually, believe it or not, the refs again for having take away the Liverpool Burnley. But the football right now, I'm not seeing stop and start. It looks very much like it was at the Euros. And the highlight of the week is probably Southampton's goal. And it's not just because it's United. That's, I don't know if you disagree, but for me, that's, football's a contact sport and that was a good refereeing. And I think overall, maybe the Burnley game is the exception, but it's another weekend where the games have been flowing and it's been great football. If you watch the Everton-Leeds match, what a game. So that's my winners this week. Yeah, I, I have to I have to agree on the contact thing. You, you can see it, you know, I think it was it was actually the Jack Cork tackle on, on Harvey Elliott. It got the stadium up. He's got the stadium, but it makes it electric. It can change the direction of a game. So I'm, I'm a big fan and I'm prepared to take a couple, uh, a couple of a big Burnley yard dogs throwing people on the floor. If it means that overall the standard of referee and they let, let a lot more go. Um, Jamie is, so, sorry to interrupt Jamie, but the thing about it is what I like is, so see Fernandez, see how he falls to the floor there and doesn't get a free kick. What happened in the Euros after a few games is you look like an idiot if you're going down too easily and your team loses the ball in a, a good position. So therefore, I feel like you 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 start to see that improve as well. You start to see players not falling down as much. So I think hopefully. overall it'll be good for the season. Yeah, and it did work in the Euros. So hopefully it does work. I th- I think it will work across the board apart from Bruno. I think Bruno will continue to yeah, do it man. no matter what. I think it's just, just a fucking hell when he is, isn't he? Do you he, know he, said, he said Sean Dyche Dyche was a moaner. He said he was a winner. But do you know what the Bruno funny Fernandes. thing about? Do you know what the funny thing about Bruno Fernandez is? I think he's a very good footballer. I think he's a really good footballer. I oh, think he finds space, he scores goals, right? He gets penalties and, and you know he get penalties, but he converts them. I think he has good work rate for me in the, in that United side. But when I see that clip of him running into the centre circle and your man puts his hand out to just, you know, feel where he is and he's down on the ground with the face and he's rolling around, I'm kind of going, you're not helping yourself, but most of all, you're not helping your team. You know, how is it going to come to a stage where his teammates are going to go, will you ever fucking give over? Because it's not going to work for us anymore. And you're basically leaving us short in midfield now by doing this, you know, depending on where the ball is broken up. I can't get, I can't get over that fella at times. I really can't. And it's not because he's a United fan. I've, I've just talked up Mason Greenwood. So it's not as like I'm, I've a vendetta against Manchester United. But when I look at, I look at Bruno Fernandes and you look at him against Leeds, he gets a hat trick against Leeds and he was brilliant. And why just, why do you keep hitting the ground? It's, it's, it's mad, but he'd be found out now because, like, like it's all said, that this um, this minimal contact stuff has gone out the window now. They're, they're letting contact go, and and putting your hand across somebody and to feel where they are. It's it's going on in football donkey years. You always put your hand out to feel where they are and see where they are. It's going on donkey years. And for the last year to eighteen months, football was 
fucking pantomime and they're going back to where they should be while trying to integrate the VAR stuff and it's worked well so far and some players are going to be found out on it. Harry Phil, Kane. you wanted to jump in? Harry Kane as well. Harry. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I love that Phil's yeah. just sat in the background just randomly yeah. shouting out Harry Kane at this stage. It's like he's on a sedative. He's just sitting there randomly shouting out Harry Kane. We yeah. should, we should, the podcast where we pick winners and losers should be called We Hate Harry Kane. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I shout Harry Kane's name in my sleep, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But, well, listen, just don't do it when you're a partner in that Paralympics in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I, but you know, you know what? You know his little trick where he backs into players, and he's gonna he's gonna do some serious damage to someone. But my only worry is, I think it's great, and it will get to the stage where the players are like, we can't do this anymore because the refs aren't having it. But then when they go off and play Champions League, it's going to be very frustrating because the refs will ping them for everything. If they if they sniff n- near someone, the ref will go, "Now nah, you're too close, free kick." So it's going to be great for the Premier League, but it could be very frustrating for when you're watching. Liverpool in the Champions League, and they're playing as they could be playing a Spanish team or an Italian team, and they just the referees giving them everything against them, and it'll just wind everyone up. I I remember playing in a a footy footy tour in Germany. We went over quick story, and uh, it was the first time I'd ever played with European refs. And like I was a physical player, and like every time I'd never come up against a diver, and like you'd put a hand on them and they fall on the floor, and it's like what's what's going on, and within. 12 minutes I had a yellow card and I think it was within about 20 minutes the ref was like look I'm gonna send you off here and they had to sub me off 20 minutes into the game because I was just I couldn't understand what was happening I'd never seen anything like it it was completely an utterly a game changer for me but um streetwise Streetwise. that's what it is streetwise Jamie streetwise yeah exactly streetwise (laughs) Harry um my my winners sorry, and losers. Sorry, wrong, Gav. Phil's love for Harry Kane is still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Uh, winners and losers. It's always hard going last because you always uh, always rob them. But uh, yeah, my winner was uh, Antonio. Um, unbelievable form. Seems like a, a really top fella. Um, and I, yeah, I just I can't get over the fact that he's now. West Ham's leading Premier League goal scorer uh, of all time, and considering he ah, wasn't always playing as a striker, that's nuts. Go on, Phil. We can't have that record. Like he scored forty nine Premier League goals. This is like, but remember Lukaku scored sixty goals for Everton and became their Premier League scorer. I was like Dixie Dean used to score sixty a season. This is yeah. Look, I, I look. I love the Premier League, but some of the stats and look. I think Antonio was class, and if he stays fit, West Ham could have an even better season. Yeah, brilliant season. Yeah. But he does pick up muscle, muscle injuries um, and hamstring injuries. But the, the Premier League record, I, I started looking at West Ham's leading scorers. Like 49 goals doesn't even get him into, like, you know, he's not even getting near. You have to get more than 100 to get into the top 10. Mm. For, was it was it the Canio? The Canio was the, was the previous. Yeah, he was fine. It was the Canio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you have to remember, like, the Premier League is in since '92. I think West Ham have been relegated three or four times. Yeah, you know, so that so they've. It's not like you'll have a player there that there's four probably four seasons out of the Premier League. I know it's gone thirty years with the huge. Um, <laughs> oh, hold on, Gav. Sorry, one sec. We have someone in the comments whose name is We Hate Harry Kane. <laughs> oh no, that's that's Red Steve. He just changed his name. Oh, oh is it? What a legend. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, he's just changed. That's Red Steve. He changed his name because uh, I only know by the the, the symbol, yeah, the logo. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but like, I know it's 30 years, so it's a huge sample size, but you you will, you know yourself, 
a team goes down, the team breaks up, you know, and usually the best players, i.e. the forwards, move on. Um, but I did think it was a bit strange, when I because I don't pay any attention to the stats, lads, you know, I'm busy doing other stuff, but somebody said, you know, Antonio, West Ham's top scorer. And I was like, what? Where? In, in, like, in that history? And I was like, and I was like hold on, because Antonio is injured, like, fucking half a season every year. How was the fuck? And I was like, surely Tony Cotty scored more, Pat Marley or something like that. And uh, no, it turns out it's in the Premier League, so it kind of, I calmed down a little bit then, but... Um, a fair play to him because I said on, we, we were saying on Conway's show last night he's got a lot of injuries but in fairness to him he's persistent and he's got back and he's yeah. and over the last and over the last year for me in particular he's been um, some games unplayable you know and and when he gets his chance he takes them so fair play to him he started at right back as well he started right back yeah. as well crazy position movement in his career do you remember and last be- season he didn't play at Anfield and I remember when David Moy said Mikel Antonio is not fit this weekend. Like I remember, delighted. Yeah. Absolutely delighted. So that's yeah. the big, like that. That's the compliment that Liverpool fans, the biggest compliment they could pay to him because he wasn't playing. It was like this would be an easier game now because Matt Phillips absolutely. was playing. Yeah, it was. It was at the time where we were riddled with problems, and you're just thinking one player you don't want to come up against was was him. Yeah. Um, my loser. Uh, before we wrap up the show, um, so we covered Gary Neville. It would have been Gary Neville, um, but with the announcement. Uh, I think it was today, actually, that the Champions League clubs playing on a Wednesday yes. will now not play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> will not play in the early t- uh, twelve thirty kickoffs this season. My loser is Des Kelly. Des and anyone Kelly. else? Lovely, I love it. And anyone else? That this is a complete surprise up, uh, to me. By the way, no, but I didn't anyone know else? Like, can you you remember how smug he was and how yeah. praised he was by the likes of Gary Lineker for standing up to Klopp yeah. and putting and Klopp is, in his place? the same fella this is the same fella on the pitch at Anfield after the Barcelona win on the pitch at Anfield after our, our in in Madrid wasn't he after we yeah. won the European Cup and the same fella on the pitch when we won the, won the won a league title and then as soon as he got a sniff he tried to down Klopp and he, I haven't seen him since because it all came out that he was you know Klopp had lost his mother at the time and stuff like that so I'm fucking delighted uh, that's the that's the shout of the night by the way and I didn't know that was coming I didn't read your losers <laughs> earlier and I'm thrilled with it <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're happy, mate. Yeah, it just it was just it was the media pile on at the time. And, and to be fair, look, let's not just say it wasn't just Klopp. It was Oli Gunnar Solskjaer who came out as well and said exactly the same thing. Yeah, and this isn't this isn't just blinkered Liverpool talk. This is just common sense. You know, other other teams <laughs> in, uh, in. I love the comments coming through here. I'm not going to read some of them out because they're quite uh, quite choice. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with the sentiments in the chat on Des Kelly. But um, yeah, it, it, look. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said it the same thing. It's just a bit of common sense. And I think sometimes in football, there is a massive lack of common sense. And people like to take pops at Klopp. But a lot of the time, the things that he says, once the dust settles and you take off your club blinkers, he's probably talking sense. And this just seems to be one of them. So anybody that tried to throw mud at Klopp, including you, Mr. Smug, Des Kelly, get in the bin. You are my loser of the week. So that is our winners and losers of the week. It was, it was a strange one that, Jamie, as well. See, the, the big as, as Gav said, Des Kelly seemed to have a very good relationship with Liverpool before that. Like, he really he, like, did. Yeah, he did, yeah. And, and Klopp as well, because Klopp, all jokes aside, after that, uh, Klopp still spoke quite highly of him. So... It was a strange one to pick your battles uh, to go. Uh, you could have maybe mentioned it, but he went full 
He's seen so his name up on Lloyd's, Conroy. That's what he did. He's seen his name up on Lloyd's when he got that opportunity. He got, he, got, he got some very intimate, like, close relationship interviews, and it just, to me, it was strange to risk it all for that, which yeah, backfired see, that massively. From, that could come from a producer, lads. That could be somebody. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that, yeah. 100%. 100%, but he's the one doing it, so I'm blaming him. Unless you can find me the producer, and we can have a chat with him, but I don't think we can. <laughs> Can I just say the comments at the night, uh, if I just scroll back up, uh, Emmett Kavner, Des Kelly needs to stick to selling carpets. That's a real <laughs> Irish thing, though. Yeah. I don't know who oh, will get that. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, Des, Kelly, Des Kelly, the carpet right? man, yeah. Des Kelly is, a, is huge in Ireland for him. Um, Des Kelly, the carpet man, he sells carpets Remember around the in Florida. And, yeah. and the other, other famous <laughs> one, of course, is um, Lino Ritchie. Um, who's oh, wow. no, it's not, no, it's not. yeah, Lionel <laughs> Richie, and and you know something? Um, I remember a massive argument going on on Facebook over this before, uh, because somebody in England in the UK named the company Lionel Richie and was like, Isn't this the best company name ever? And there was people from Ireland going, What? There's, there's a fellow called Lionel Richie in Fingers. What do you uh, mean, people in, Dublin, in Ireland? You were years. deep in those comments. I was so into it, I got banned and everything. But I was like, uh, the original Lionel Richie is under the footbridge um, in Fingers Village, Lionel Richie. So there you go. Lionel Richie, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, by the way, there seems to be a lot of comments coming through that we should basically make this its own show. So, Gav, as the gaffer, that's one for you oh, to I'd think love about, it. mate. I'd love it. But, but the only thing I would say is that Phil has to have the next day off. <laughs> and we all have to be on the cans because I feel like I'm running away at myself here and you're all looking at me going, this fella's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally fair. So what could go wrong? Winners and losers and we're all on the cans. Yeah. Uh, right, with that... Can we it call is, it Lionel he's... Richie hates Harry Kane? <laughs> you can go, you're the boss, mate. You can call it whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get some ideas on names and it'd be just the weirdest podcast ever. Uh, Jesus, lads, it's 10 to 12. Sorry, yeah. that, uh, Christ, that was... I'm going to turn into a pumpkin. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry, Phil. Right, so we'll wrap up. Uh, yeah, with that, that's definitely enough from us. Uh, Gav, Phil, and Conroy, who seems to have disappeared. Just, uh, that oh, no, is, here he is. Uh, Oh, he's here back. He's he back. Is he? Yeah, I got it back in now. Hold on one sec. Uh, so yeah, thank you, thank you all for coming. I want to give a shout out to Sam Maguire, who's been doing a lot of work with us in the background on some of the analysis. Uh, if you don't know, I'm sure you all follow Sam. Uh, he has a Patreon page. You can subscribe to that for three ninety nine. You'll get all his articles, polls, a monthly Q and A. And if you want to go for the five ninety nine offer, uh, you get all of the above as well as video and special guest articles. So please do go check it out. Um, Gav, what? Do we have coming up for the rest of the week? Um, oh, I always forget what day it is. It's Wednesday. Uh, you know, Thursday. I ask you this every week. I know, and I know we do the show every single Wednesday, unless Liverpool play on a Wednesday. Um, but no, tomorrow is Carnage. Um, you have got Grizz, you have Avi, yeah, Avi and Connor from the Friday Night Show are joining Grizz along with um, the Chelsea fan. Um, his name's going to be Hebrey. He's really, really good. I know he's been on a couple of times and his name's completely gone in my head, but he's really, really good. Uh, Friday night is Connor and Avi with the Sports Unplugged. Um, Saturday, we will have pre and post match shows around Chelsea. And we're back on Sunday with the Fatback Four. And don't forget Sienna Steps. Please go into the, the show description, buy a virtual ticket for Anfield for one euro or buy 10 of them, whatever you want. And also in there is the link to our GoFundMe. We're trying our best to get as much money as we can to try send it to America and St. Louis in uh, November for life changing tre- uh, treatment. And I was on, Con- on Conroy's channel last night. Go and check it out. Conroy Talks. Go and check that out. Um, we had a really good chat for about an hour and 40 minutes last night. There was no cans involved, so it's, it's a lot more <laughs> relaxed. But, um, and, we, and I spoke a lot more since last night. Um, but go and check that out. It was a really good chat. Go and um, subscribe to his channel too.
Absolutely. Uh, massive thank you as always to everybody in the chat. Anybody uh, has been sending us messages throughout the week. We really appreciate it. Um, it. It has been fantastic to read how much people are enjoying the show. So please do keep the feedback coming. If you could, before you leave, leave us a quick like on the video. Let us know your thoughts on the show, your predictions for Chelsea, who's going to start, what's the score going to be. Uh, yeah, leave them in the, in, in the comment section below. So with that, I hope you've all enjoyed the show. Make sure you enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be back with you again next Wednesday on the Midweek Fix. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.